In today's episode, I'm talking with an impact entrepreneur who saw a waste problem with disposable coffee cups and set about creating a solution that is now in 65 countries around the world. From Blue Tribe Media, this is the Good Business Podcast, the show where we talk to business leaders, social entrepreneurs, and innovators about aligning profit with purpose and how you can make doing good good for business. Now, here's your host, James McGregor. In today's episode, I'm talking with an entrepreneur whose product you may very well have sitting by you right now, because today I'm talking with Abigail Forsyth, who is the co founder of Keep Cup. Abigail first started developing Keep Cup after she became frustrated with the amount of waste she saw being created from disposable coffee cups. Unable to simply find a solution, little did she know though that she'd start an international phenomenon with people worldwide using and loving her products. Today, Keep Cup is Australia's leading reusable barista standard coffee cup, helping its customers divert millions of disposable cups from landfill every day. In this episode, you hear about Abigail's journey from lawyer to cafe owner to ultimately creating a product that defines an entire product category, as well as her views on the future. So let's get to my interview with Abigail Forsyth from Keep Cup. So how about we kick off? And so why don't we start with you introducing yourself and tell us who you are. Okay. Hello, everybody. I My name is Abigail Forsyth, and I'm the co-founder and managing director of Keep Cup, the world's first reusable cup. No, no, the world's first barista standard reusable cup. It's a bit of a high, high, it's a bit of a overstatement that we invented the cup. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it could be, it was, it's the cup though. It's not, not just a cup. So maybe we could do that. And what's the difference when a barista cup versus a a standard cup well keep cup started because my brother and i ran some cafes in melbourne and we saw the waste and wanted to find a solution to it and so i just went down and tried to buy a reusable cup that we could sell in our stores to encourage people not to use disposable cups and couldn't find one that worked or didn't that none of them fitted under the espresso machine Ah. all of them were complex to sort of heat prior to filling so you would have a, a, a cold um, coffee and then the, the internal volumes weren't right so you weren't going to get the right ratio of milk and coffee and they didn't have a gradient on the side of the cup so that you could um, pour and make latte art in the cup so none of them sort of were, were designed for the way we we drink coffee so that's why we made keep cup awesome and we need to make a uh, macchiato size keep cup by the way too we've got one steel we've got it in glass I'll I'll have to jump online and grab one. So because that's the problem with the because I, I do have a, a number a collection of keep cups around here and my kids use them as well, but not macchiato size. So I'll have to keep an eye out for that and make sure I get one because it probably fit in my bag better easier easier as well. It would, yeah. Carrying around, yeah, cool, awesome. So what would you describe as your superpower? I think my superpower is probably connecting connecting the dots and seeing opportunity. Connecting ideas, yeah. So maybe that'll be a nice segue into a little, little bit of the background behind Keep Cup. So you sort of alluded to it there. So I think most people listening will, will know of Keep Cup and they've probably got one sitting around and they've probably used Keep Cups. But I'm interested in the origin story. So you sort of mentioned and uh, sort of alluded to this already around you saw this waste issue and you're trying to find a solution. Why did you think that was such a big issue that you need to actually go out and invent the cup? Because in our business, Blue Bag, we went through, I mean, every business, who well we went through so much packaging as a business not just consumer facing packaging but the packaging in the kitchen like I could spend an hour breaking up boxes every day and I just thought 
multiply that out from our cafe to every cafe in Melbourne, to every cafe in Australia, to every cafe in the world, like this is a this is a crisis. In in there's so much waste being created that could be used better or reused. So yeah, we saw we saw that problem, and then we thought, well, what's the what's the most what is the most um, ubiquitous, and I guess the most unnecessary. So you sort of need a container, perhaps say if you buy some noodles, you need a container to put it in, but you don't really need to. You could sit in and drink your coffee. So it's actually a, a the disposable coffee cup is such an example of the wastefulness of convenience culture because you actually don't need it. It's not necessary at all. You could just sit in and drink your coffee. Yeah, so I guess the problem always was not just a problem solving. It's a product-based solution. So we designed something that worked, but it's also a behavior change problem. And in 2007, when we were tossing up the idea, we're sort of like, why hasn't anyone done this before? Like it seemed so obvious that this was a, a good idea. So in winter 2007, we got in some decor soup mugs and we gave 50 cents off to anyone who returned and reused the soup mug. And the, the disposable packaging cost us 75 cents. So we were saving 25 cents for everyone who reused in the first place. And 15% of our customers returned and reused. So it was from there we realised that, one, there was a market, but two, this was really about behaviour change and galvanising people around this idea of reduce and reuse rather than waste and recycle. Yeah. And was there a particular moment that, you know, you mentioned that you were out crushing boxes out the back. I mean, was there, was there a particular event that, sent you down this path of we need to solve this problem? There were probably there were many there were probably lots of incremental events along the way, but I guess my daughter was two at the time and I'd have my coffee in a disposable cup and then I'd get she'd be drinking milk in one of those little plastic sippy cups. And I thought, would I give her that milk or would I feed my daughter in disposable packaging? No, I won't. It just seemed it seems like the wrong thing to teach a child and to show a child that you'd consume stuff out of stuff you throw in the bin. And it was then that it sort of clicked for me that this was about behaviour change as much as it was about designing a good product. And I think that was sort of a bit of a kicker for me. Yeah. And I'd been reading about, I'd read Jared Diamond's book, um, Collapse, Why Society. Oh, yes. Yeah, and it was, you know, just reading about those cultural, and, and we're at this moment right now, we've got all these cultural norms that we are refusing to give up but will collapse our society. We are at that Easter Island moment and have been probably for the last 20 years. That Oh, you know, how could we possibly give up disposable cups? How could we possibly give up, you know, some conveniences that are going to kill us, literally? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's a, a, a scary book, Jared Diamond's book there on collapse because you can, as you're reading it, whilst he's going back in history, you're looking at it, it was so obvious that some of these things were going to go wrong for some of these civilizations yeah. that effectively got wiped out. Yet they, in the moment, either chose to ignore it or didn't see it. And then you look at the parallels of what's happening in the world today around you know, issues around you know, climate and biodiversity and poverty and inequality, and it's the same thing. People, people can see the problem, but then they put their head down and don't want to look up to sort of acknowledge it. So. Well, also we think things are, are fixed that are not fixed. We mistake things that cannot that can be easily changed for things that cannot be changed because we think that that culture can't shift, but culture's shifting all the time. Hmm. Yeah. So, so how did you go from lawyer? So you <laughs> used to be a lawyer, and then you decided to quit that to launch Blue Bag with your brother, and then you got into physical product design with Keep Cup. I mean, how, how did how did that journey happen? Yeah. So one of my superpowers is naivety as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> thinking things are perhaps easier than they are. So yeah, lawyer, I was never, I, yeah, law, law was never really, I guess, my passion and working in a law firm, I realized that, you know, often the best advice I could give was walk away, like solve the problem commercially. And I guess I saw that I had a talent for commercial resolution rather than legal resolution. That was where my interests lay. And then my brother would be calling me up every week with a new business idea and finally he came up with Blue Bag and I thought, well, you know, I'm a good cook and I like people. How hard can it be? And mm-hmm. off we went on this journey. It turned out to be pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, you know, I, I now look back and think, you know, people who succeed in the food business are often you know, very structured, process-driven. You know, there's a lot of cleaning and process in the food business to get it to get it right. Because you know, if you get it wrong, you can kill someone. And that probably was is you know a creative. So it wasn't really where my skills like. But look, we did all right. We got to six stores, and yeah, and then we we started Keep Cup and we sold it. So yeah. So do you think you're some? law so i've done law as part of business degrees and i actually found one of the hardest subjects is being an engineer is my background in engineering once you kind of get a concept and you understand like the physics you can skim the detail and once you've got the concept you can apply that to any other problem whereas with law i found you know that attention to detail you've got to read i'd read a couple of pages of whatever text i was working on and i'd have to reread it because i'd skimmed it and you always got to read every single word so there's that attention to detail that sort of comes with law do you think that's that's that skill set as you've brought with you to what you're doing now but that's not a skill set i ever had (laughs) (laughs) yeah attention to details not 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 my skill set and probably why i never stuck at the law as a as a career yeah yeah much more interested in the big picture and the ideas than the than the details yeah cool now we've sort of we've started moving into this topic but I, i wanted to talk to you about uh, what sort of comes next in this? You're in an interesting world, obviously in the in the food and hospitality space. You guys are in um, with COVID at the moment has had a you know, massive impact yep. around the world. What what do you think that means for I guess sustainability going forward? You know, do you see this as an opportunity? Do you see it as you know, we're going to just go back to where we were? What do you think is going to happen next coming out of COVID? No, our, I mean our our. Our supply chain is, or not our supply chain, our distribution is cafes, so they're in dire straits. Mm. So, you know, our business is in trouble and so is all our our network of businesses. So, yeah, I just guess we're just trying to stay the course. And I I think, you know, the interestingly for us, you know, having worked in a cafe, I know how tight margins are and I know how competitive it is in that industry and that cafes survive on takeaway coffee trade. Like the rents are so high that you have to sell takeaway goods just to make ends meet. And we've always sort of walked a line there by trying to encourage people to reuse, but I guess accepted that disposables are, are, if you don't have disposables, hard to be commercially viable. Whereas now coming out of COVID, I think we're going to take a much stronger position to be like, no, disposables have to actually go. We can't, single use packaging has to disappear. It, yeah. You know, the planet can't sustain it. So you mentioned you're, you're trying to stay the course in these hard times around, you know, keeping that sustainable mission going. What, what do you see as, do you see opportunities emerging out of the back of COVID around, you know, maintaining that sort of course around sustainability or impact businesses? I think, unfortunately, 
the government's now talking about circular economy. It's talking about these things, but we're, we're starting to confuse circular economy with recycling. And that's a great tragedy if that happens. So there is an opportunity, especially right now when people have had to sort of, you know, contain their lives to really think about reduce and reuse. But, you know, I don't think, I don't think governments are going to want to push that because what that means is reduced consumption, which is, you know, and consumption is what's driving a, a growth based economy. So there's a few, yeah, challenges there. Yeah. But do you see, so yeah, I guess, yeah, when people think growth, I think, consumption but as we move to guess more service-based uh models so the one i always like talking about is air conditioning in buildings where you know people don't want an air conditioner they want the comfort they want the temperature and you can provide that a thousand different ways right you can open a window you can put in better insulation you can orientate your building better um so you don't actually need to consume an air conditioner to get the service that you want so so when it comes to i guess coffee consumption you know what's and what's the service? You know, there's there's an aspect to a restaurant of yeah, there's that social outing and interaction that comes with going to a restaurant. I mean, for I guess coffee consumers, what it, what's the service that I think that people are procuring when they when what's the job that they're paying a, a barista to solve for them? Ah, yeah. well, I think there's I think there's a lot of that is about social connection. And about, you know, the coffee break has been the cigarette. What was a cigarette break in the 80s has been the coffee break in yeah. the 2000s. So, and then, and, and then the ritualization of that. So, you know, the, the, the origin of the beans and the milk and all those things. It's a cultural signifier as well. And I, that's where Keep Cups done well because we've been part of that cultural signaling about who you are when you um, reuse. So, you, what you're saying is, that you know the the keep cup becomes a like a talking point to facilitate that social interaction. Is that what you're saying? Not necessarily talking point, but it, it's I guess it's it's been a bit of a heuristic to say I I care about the environment and I'm I'm making I'm I'm making my position I'm conscious I'm showing you what my position is. But more than that, it's been I know about good coffee. So if you if you're a person who uses a keep cup over another reusable cup, you're more likely to shop in particular coffee shops and, and and know a bit more like it's become a, that barista standard and that idea of being able to make a great coffee in a keep cup as opposed to another reusable has been part of part of what has been so sticky about keep cup yeah yeah so so in the in the moment with covid there are i've seen some innovations around how you can use your keep cup because uh, a lot of craft <laughs> expecting them, where they had like the landing zone, where it was like a little square spot. You'd put your cup. There's like no touch. Prop your keep cup there, and the baristas pour the coffee in for you. Yeah. If people at the moment still want to use their keep cups, and it becomes increasingly hard to find, how how do they find cafes that are supporting that sort those sorts of uh, innovations, so they can still use their keep cups in the current environment? I think you just got to vote with your feet, as we did, as we did back in two thousand and nine when Keep Cup started. You've got to find people who who are committed to reuse and will find a way. So, if there was, so on this podcast, we have quite a lot of decision makers in different organisations. So, I mean, what advice would you like to give those sorts of decision makers around what we do coming out of COVID related to, I guess, sustainability or impact type work? Ah. Oh. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, it's about reduce and reuse, and thinking about, yeah, what what the world is we want to be creating here. This is our, this is, I guess, our last gasp to think about what that means. But I think it is about, you know, it's goodbye fossil fuels, 
you know, preserving the natural world and reducing consumption in every possible way that we can. Like, and businesses have such an opportunity in the way they deliver, in the way they package, all sorts of things. And I think consumers are going to start to put more pressure on on businesses, which is great. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, you sort of built a bit of a movement around Keep Cup, and almost a it's not a subculture, but it's you know people sort of identify with you know, having a Keep Cup, as you said before, sort of says something about them. And what's I guess what's been your experience around you know, building that? loyal customer base that businesses could learn from around you know, adopting these sort of purpose-driven approaches? Well, I think it's being inclusive. I mean, I think the real thing about Keep Cup was we started in 2009 when, you know, being sustainable or being green was, you know, I think people felt a little excluded from what that was and what that meant, that you had to tick a whole lot of boxes, whereas, you know, the crisis is so deep and so great that it's like anything you can do is is good. So I think Keep Cup began, you know, it's, it's a by being really inclusive, by going, hey, the world's going to look a lot better if we reuse. So come aboard. Like we welcome anyone. You don't have to identify as greenie. You don't have to identify as, you don't have to be doing everything perfectly. You don't have to be in the zero waste movement. You just just do something. And if you begin on that journey, then you start to, you know, because it's about, you know, people live complex lives and a lot of it's just stepping through the consequences of things. And, and a lot of the time, people just don't have time to do that. So what you're saying is I don't have to wear a uh, tie-dye shirt and have dreadlocks to have a keep cup. <laughs> is this what you're saying? Or even, even beyond that, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to have a compost bin, but I can still use a keep cup. I don't have to use a reusable bag, but I can still use a keep cup or vice versa. Like, just do something. <laughs> do something. Yeah. Like begin the journey, begin the journey, and then when you start that journey, you start to then go, oh, this is actually, you know, actually, I mean, I think the thing that was sticky about Keep Cup as well is that when people started using, they go, actually, I prefer drinking my coffee out of this. I always remember I gave my grandmother this revolting old sort of brown chipped ceramic mug and I saved up as a kid to get her what I thought was a beautiful new ceramic mug and she never used it. She kept using her old chipped mug. So we're all creatures of habit and if you start to sort of attach a value and an enjoyment to something, then you keep using it. Like it's got to have an extrinsic value. I mean, the sustainability part of Keep Cup is sort of just what happens underneath and that has now just got to be a ticket to the game. Like everything's got to be, everyone's got to be thinking about reducing impact and sustainability. Yeah, but I think that's a really important point that the sustainability is the outcome of having that great product. Yeah. And I actually, I'd never actually even thought, as you are talking there around, yeah, carrying a keep up around in my bag bag and going to different meetings. There's actually a whole lot of stories attached that I can remember just for having a cup of coffee, which I'm carrying around with me. So it's almost like a trigger to why people get attached to like it's probably why your grand got so attached to her old chipped um coffee cup because there's probably a thousand stories attached to that cup yeah. that she could recall. And I think that's important and that's that's part of the value proposition of what a keep cup brings to a customer. And sustainability is a consequence of providing that great value proposition. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really important for businesses and decision makers to understand that every. So, I mean, my wife is every business can be an impact business and can make some positive impact in the world. It's just that you still got to provide a great product that people want to use, and it doesn't have to be necessarily directly sustainability related. But as a consequence of them using your product, it delivers some sort of positive outcome. So, so I think it's a really important thing for uh, people to understand. Now, let's talk about the future of Keep Cup. So, I actually wanted to. So was you know, Keep Cup started a while back now, just to give people a perspective. I mean, how big is Keep Cup these days? 
You mean pre-COVID or post-COVID? Let's, let's, talk, <laughs> let's talk pre-COVID and we'll talk about how big it's going to be post-COVID when we have this new revolution. So keycap has been going for 12 years and we pre-COVID we were in, you know, we're in 65 countries. We had an office and warehouse in LA and London as well as Australia. Yeah, and we were pretty big. And I guess we still are, but we've we've since post-COVID, we closed the LA office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we were already sort of pivoting into a more digital space and that, that will continue, I guess. When you say di- digital space in terms of distribution and how you get your sort of product to market? Yeah, so it, yeah, so we, we're about to launch a wholesale site so that cafes and customers can order online. So, And part of that is to take away the administrative role of the our sales team and really bring people into a space where we can talk about single use we can talk about engaging people we can talk you know we can add a whole lot of value to people and give it and have it all at their fingertips yeah awesome and a lot of people may not know that kicked up also makes american coffee taste better so i've heard <laughs> It's one of the things I love when I come home. I won't be going overseas for some time now, but every time I come home and have a, a coffee, it's always so good. Uh, ah, there's some good coffee in the States, though. Uh, you just got to sure find yeah. it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So if there was someone out there listening right now that had their own idea, like you did back in 2009, to try to make some difference, what's one piece of advice you give them? Get started. Get going. Just start. Just start. Yep. Just begin. I'm going to have to change that question because pretty much every guest has exactly the same answer. Just oh, do, do they? <laughs> pretty much. I'm going to have to go with a different question because it's always it's the same response virtually every time. So, But there you go. There's obviously something in that, that you know, just start. And sometimes ignorance is bliss when you get started on some of these journeys. You may not want to know um, everything before you get started. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, what did, I always think of Kramer saying he was undone by his unbridled enthusiasm. <laughs> great. Well, I can put that in as your, your favourite quote when we get to the, <laughs> the, the mad minute. So if someone wanted to uh, learn more or get in touch or learn more about KeepCup, uh, what's the best way for them to connect? Oh, KeepCup.com, our website, Instagram, we're LinkedIn, we're everywhere. Awesome. And can I order a macchiato KeepCup online now? You sure can, oh, yeah. Oh, that's what I'll be doing straight after this. All right. So, and what's one thing, if someone listening out there, if you wanted, they just did one thing today, what would you like them to do? Thing. Get a compost. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move into the mad minute. So, this is uh, five quick questions in 60 seconds. So, now you've had 28 minutes to think about some of these answers. We'll see how we go. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Never surrender. My grandmother. Never surrender. Never surrender. Grandmothers and grandfathers got the best advice, haven't they? Yeah. What was, what's your favorite business book? Oh, I'm going to say it's Collapse by Jared Diamond. Yes, that's a good one. So I definitely recommend that one. It's kind of scary reading, but it's uh, well worth it, that one. When you are a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? found a thing that I'd written in grade six the other day where I said I wanted to be a waitress and then a millionaire. So that is actually what I wanted in grade six. There you go. And, it, why, and you ended up in law. How did, how did that work? <laughs> there you go. What's, what's your favourite quote? Never doubt that a small group of committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Awesome. So that was uh, Alexi Seller from episode one of this podcast. That was exactly <laughs> the same quote. So that's 100% true too as well. If you go back in time and give your 20-year-old self some advice, what would it be? It would be just go easy, babe. You've got it. Just... Just don't rush. Don't rush it. Just it'll all it'll all work out. Have a bit of faith. Awesome. Well, that's it. I think you guys have really 
up the conversation around you know reuse and material consumption and, and creates a every time like we you know, have a keep cup in our hand and we're talking to someone it creates a great talking point to actually bring up the topic and at least have the conversation yeah so thank you for for making that happen in the world and thank you for being part of the good business podcast oh thanks very much james it's great great conversation Now, if you haven't checked out the great resources available on our website, which include free downloadable worksheets on guys to help you build your own impact business to change the world, then head over to www.bluetribe.co forward slash podcast. And if you like today's episode, make sure you click that like and subscribe button. Also, tell a friend about the podcast so they can get some inspiration from great businesses doing great things. Coming up in the next episode. If you get rejected by somebody or something, you're not in a worse position than you were before you had even asked. So don't be afraid to ask and reject rejection. In the next episode, this entrepreneur chose to reject rejection and create the UK's first online shop for the homeless. Don't want to miss that one. Well, that's it for another episode of the Good Business Podcast. I'm James Maria. Until next time.